all we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you creators and entrepreneurs and doers and uh, visionaries and producers and artists and uh, CEOs, people in and around the world that, you know, you're you're doing things a little bit differently. You're definitely drawing outside the lines. Uh, you know, and a lot of you are anti-status quo. It's like, no, I can do that differently. And every week I bring on people who have clearly done things a little bit differently. Uh, and the best part is, is that they're very open about talking about what does that look like in real time, right? Because often uh, the media tends to glamorize and glorify this, this end look of success and say, oh, look how amazing these people are. And they are amazing, but it wouldn't it be great to know a little bit more about what's happening in real time because we're all humans having human experiences we're all figuring things out along the way, whether it's our first venture uh, or like my guest where it's probably their 500th venture, <laughs> you know, um, but but nevertheless, it's important to see that we're all figuring things out along the way. Uh, for many of you that, you know, I'm Matt Gottesman. For those of you that are new because our podcast has been growing exponentially, I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you're interested, you can follow me. Actually, not if. Please follow me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram. Uh, for anything else I'm involved in, or at HDF Magazine, where we're having a conversation about entrepreneurship, creativity, and culture, you know, at that intersection, or at Hustle Sold Separately. You guys know I answer each and every single DM text that you guys have been, you know, uh, spitting out for the last six years straight. I don't intend on stopping now. And please also be sure to follow our guests, talk with them, interact with them. They're very approachable. They're human beings just like you and I. So, um, you know, they're here to talk a little bit more about their story. And I've got another incredible guest today, and he's accompanied by a former guest who was also referred by another former guest when they were on a show together. Uh, so we've got this kind of cool pay it forward thing going on, and I hope that uh, my guest will do the same <laughs> afterwards. Uh, but today I got Brett Johnson and along with uh, Burke Bakai, who was on recently, um, for Phoenix Rising, and uh, Brett is the founder and partner of Fortuitous Partners. He's also the co-chairman of the Phoenix Rising Football Club, so there's the, the connecting of the dots there. We're going to be talking about turning visions into reality because, let's be honest, we have these incredible ideas. Executing is a different story, and then there's phases of execution that um, require assistance along the way. They require teams. They require foundations. They require good people. Sometimes they require financing. Um, they require cash flow. They require innovation. They require a lot of different things. But if we're open to it and uh, we know how to move and we know how to ask, then we can make anything happen. But you have to get out of your own way a lot of times. And so I'm going to queue up Brett's background because it's incredible. Uh, as I mentioned, he is the founder and, and partner of Fortuitous Partners. It's a diversified opportunity fund platform investing in professional sports. So I hope I got your guys' attention there. Um, which anchored multi-asset developments and opportunity zones. You guys might be hearing a lot about opportunity zones because it has come up with some pretty cool people in, in pop culture recently. And of course, Brett's going to expand on that. So I'm not going to get into that really just yet. Um, but it really is the manifestation of five years of hard work um, for their platform to provide a transformational change with social and economic impact throughout sports. Okay. Uh, excuse me, through sports. 
He's also the co-chairman of the Phoenix Rising Football Club, which, uh, you know, we had Briquet on as well recently. Um, and he's a minor league professional, excuse me, I mentioned Phoenix Rising, Club, uh, Phoenix Rising Football Club as a, a minor league professional soccer team. It's based here in Phoenix, but these guys have a cult following that is growing and they're crushing it too in the sport. Um, it's in consideration for a major league soccer franchise, so stay tuned for that. Uh, in 2005, Mr. Johnson founded Be uh, Benevolent Capital. I love these names, by the way. <laughs> for two, it is Benevolent. I mean, this is right up our my mine in the audience's alley. Uh, it's a private equity fund with investments in real estate, manufacturing, and consumer brands, all things I love, uh, including Phoenix Rising Football Club and Octagon Partners, Archer DX, uh, TerraCycle, and New York City Office Suites. In 2015 to uh, September 2016, Brett was a managing director of Zealot Networks, which was founded by Danny Zapman, who founded and sold Maker Studios to Disney for $950 million. That's all. Zealot Networks is a digital media company, which is also right up my alley, uh, a company that comprises 18 portfolio companies and $150 million in revenue. He managed the tech and content businesses uh, units within Zealot. Uh, Man, we really need to sit down over coffee, Brett. <laughs> and then uh, from 2013 to 2015, he was a president director of Greenwood Hall. Uh, it was founded in 1997 and is a full-service education management firm. The company provided uh, infrastructure and student lifecycle solutions that enable post-secondary institutions to compete successfully in the global e-learning marketplace. Very, very important. Uh, he led a comprehensive restructuring of the business, including recapitalizing the balance sheet through a public offering. And from 2010 to 2000, or to August uh, 2012, he was the CEO and president of Forward Industries, also on the NASDAQ. Uh, Forward Industries designs, sources, markets, and distributes accessories for the handheld consumer electronic product industry. From 2001 to 2004, he was the president of Targus, you know, a small little company you might have remembered. I remember this company very well. The leading global provider of mobile computing solutions with sales of $545 million. And they had offices in 36 geogra uh, geographies and sales in 145 countries. He is a member of the YPO. Uh, for any of you guys, some of you that listen already know this, Young Presidents Organization, really big, great uh, organization, and earned a bachelor's degree from Brown University and a master's of business administration from the Presidential Key Executive Program at Pepperdine University. In 2014, he graduated from the Harvard Business School's President Leadership Program. Uh, the man is busy, so thank you for, <laughs> for being on the show, Brett. I appreciate having you, man. Oh, it's an absolute honor. Thank you, man. Do you ever hear the that the background and go, yeah, that took some time. <laughs> Is that, you know? Yeah, I guess I'm I'm on the precipice of turning fifty, so I guess I guess it's it's reflective of you know uh, thirty years almost in business. But you know, I'm I'm everything kind of contributes to to the next venture. You yes. know, but when I listen to it, yeah, for sure, there there are a couple of chapters that you know I'm happy I've moved on from, but. You know, certainly the period with Targus, that's a direct segue into sort of everything that Bear Kay and I are doing right now. I, I spent five years in London running all the international business. And that's where I had a front row seat relative to the religion by which the world treats professional soccer or soccer in general. Yeah. And, you know, that that began the epiphany that led that Bear Kay and I both had about five years ago where we both recognized at the same time that Phoenix was arguably the best market um, that was underrepresented uh, in the professional soccer space. You know, uh, first of all, you're still very young in the game, man. <laughs> Just so you know, you're still very young in the game, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, because you know, you're just getting started, it sounds like, in a lot of ways. That's at least how I always uh, view it. Um, and then, uh, 
you know, also interesting that how you bring that up. If we connect the dots, a lot of these early on endeavors really are what lead up to our masterpieces, the things that we we get to create later on because of that experience. Um, so I, I love that you, you know, you said that. Uh, feel free, you know, let's, I always, I always say the first question is the same, like, what, how do we get here, whatever, whatever parts you want to share of the journey, um, you know, that, so that way we can start to talk about what's really going on now, especially because of what you're doing with Opportunity Zones and sports and, and what's, you know, your relationship with, with Phoenix Rising. How did we get here? And you can go as far back as you want, or you could, you know, give the, the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel thanks. I, I feel like everything happens for a reason. And, you know, if I kind of break my career down into chunks, I had the honor and pleasure of running a very successful global company in the computer accessory space. I can almost empirically prove that individuals of a certain age or era have carried a Targus product at one time or another. I mean, the company really was fairly dominant. And I, it gave me an opportunity to see the world and, and, get uh, respect for all the different business cultures. And, you know, once we sold that business, I started Benevolent Capital, my private equity company. But because of the experience I had at Targus, I was on a lot of people's short list relative to being headhunted to run other companies. And so, you know, a lot of the companies who routed off, those were all engagements where they brought me in to run either the company or a division. But now I kind of look at the arc. I've, I've, I've closed the door on all of that. I'm a full-time entrepreneur now. And, you know, relative to, you know, age, you know, every day keeps getting better. Every year gets better. I'm more fired up and energized about all the opportunities, you know, that I'm, that I'm currently navigating, especially when it comes to partnering with individuals like Bear K, who has literally changed my life. And then by extension, all the incredible partners we have in Phoenix Rising and, and everywhere else. At the end of the day, it really, it comes down to the people you work with. Life's too short. So you gotta, you gotta hopefully pick and choose, or sometimes fate plays that role for you. But from my perspective now, it's about doing game-changing endeavors with the right people. You know, um, I got to ask this. Do you find a lot more creative and strategic control because of being out of the corporate environment and being more in the maker environment as an entrepreneur? 100%. 100%. I mean, um, you know, there's something nice about being in a corporate environment, you know, especially in an environment where you're on a W-2 and you're getting paid every two weeks. And, you know, you, the, the primal screams that I had, I've had as an entrepreneur, you know, relative to, you know, certain moments on this journey, as I say, it's just not for the faint of heart. But all that being said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but, but, you know, you, you, Going full entrepreneur was a conscious decision that I've made in the last couple of years, in particular, you know, through my relationship with Bear K. And, you know, you, you your listeners have some introduction to Bear K. He's an inspiring individual. I mean, there's so many platitudes I can extend to him, but probably no, none such uh, platitude greater than the fact that he convinced Didier Drogba, arguably one of the greatest players in the history of the sport, to finish up his career with Phoenix Rising, become part of the ownership group. I mean, I, it's truly one of the greatest feats in professional sport, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know, do you want to say anything to that, Burkay? <laughs> since, we're, since, we're, uh, since we got Burkay here in the studio. I, I think I peaked with that, you know. <laughs> that seems to be the everything that gets compared to now. So I, I got to reinvent myself. But that, that's okay. That, that, that was one of the um, uh, least probable things that I've done in my life. Like the probability of success was if you asked a hundred intelligent people, they would say one in a 
500,000 or something like that. So and it yet it's, like, yeah. it seemed fairly, I don't want to say the word easy because nothing, you know, but it seemed fairly smooth right. for that to happen. It was. I mean, so. it, it was, uh, it was long. It was very methodical and it was um, one with a lot of perseverance and just, you know, kind of don't take no for an answer and trying to, when something hit a roadblock, it was all about, okay, if that didn't work, how can we look at it from this angle? You know, just always, you know. Problem solving. Problem solving. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I do. And, and Brett, when did, uh, when did you and Burkay meet? How did that relationship start? How did, you know, and, and with Phoenix Rising Football Club, how did that all come into play? Well, you know, uh, as I mentioned, Berkey and I had a similar epiphany relative to the opportunity with Phoenix and professional soccer. I, I ended up acquiring an interest in the predecessor team to Phoenix Rising called Arizona United. And along the way, a lot of people would mention Berkey's name to me. And, you know, then I, I found out that we both had a common association with YPO, et cetera. Um, I ultimately met Berkey through Mark Detmer, Mark, Mark, um, you know, I don't have enough platitudes to describe my respect for Mark Detmer. And a lot of reasons why we called our firm fortuitous. Meeting Mark Detmer was fortuitous. He had just moved from Phoenix to L.A. I was looking and needed to expand my network in Phoenix. And there's arguably no one who knows more people, probably in the world, but certainly more connected in Phoenix than Mark Detmer. And Mark and I started talking and I mentioned professional soccer. He mentioned Bear K and Ultimately, Mark was a fantastic bridge to that relationship and a, a lot, lot more. And the three of us now are partners, obviously, in Phoenix Rising. We're partners in Fortuitous. And uh, it's been I, I all the credit to where Phoenix Rising is today. It goes to Bear Kay and Mark and Tim Reister and Dave Stearns, Brandon McCarthy, Dave Rappaport. And we've got a really active and engaged ownership group. And, you know, I, I just somewhere karmically, I must have done something right to to find and get the opportunity to work with all these individuals. And ultimately when it talks about, talk about inspiration, every single one of them sort of more committed, more impressive than the next. And so, you know, from my perspective, it's really changed my life. It's not hyperbole to say that meeting these guys and having them take effectively, you know, this vision of professional soccer and transitioning into where it is today. You know, as I said, the credit goes to the, to all of them. You know, uh, and the team is everything. We were just speaking on a recent podcast. Um, we we're talking about spiritual gangster, and we we're talking about um, you know boards of directors and things like that. And and uh, the, the topic came up, and I and I said I said to uh, to David D. Z. Zimmerman of the Creative Vibe, I said, you know what I think if you get a board of people that have all in their very creative, unique, talented way have done something really cool and special. And you put them all on, on the same board together and they all get both the creative and the business and strategic and the business side. And you let all their brains just run their race in parallel with each other, 150 miles an hour. The like think about all the, the beautiful things that you can do together and, and without the ego, of course, <laughs> without the ego of just, moving together and it, it sounds like you've just got this really great right team um how, talk a little bit more about that i mean because i think that what is the dynamic of your team right because i know a lot of people first as an entrepreneur you can't do everything alone second when you're wanting to put together a team it also has to be reflective of you where you're at too because you have to be able to get out of your own way and you have to be able to work with other people who are also out of their own way so you can all make magic together. But there's so many times you don't 
see that. And I'd like to reflect more on the times that you do, which sounds like what you guys have. So what are, what are some of the dynamics of your guys' team and, and why it works so well? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I mean, if you, I, I think one of the benefits is that if you look at those around the table, the diversity of background, experience, passion, et cetera, it's incredibly complementary. And, you know, professional sports touches everything. Yep. Um, you know, it's a, it's a political campaign. It's an economic startup. You know, it's obviously a great deal on marketing, real estate. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on and on and, and culture, obviously. And so I, when I look around the table and I think about how much time and effort each one of us puts in, you know, all completely uncompensated, actually, it's the exact opposite. You know, we, right. we, we all make sure that we're appropriately financing and capitalizing the team to be able to execute on, on our ultimate vision. But again, a, a lot of credit goes to, you know, again, Bear Kay and the group that he's assembled and, um, you know, Dave Rappaport, who came from the predecessor days with me at Arizona United and his ownership group and, you know, Tim Reister, um, you know, Dave Stearns, again, the list just goes on and on. But I, I look at each one of them. It's a little bit like YPO. I mean, when, when I joined that organization, I was running a fairly sizable international business. I thought I was I thought I was the busiest man in the world. And then all of a sudden I joined, I start meeting these these peers and I started really recognizing what busy means and i and i also keeping things in perspective you know you've got to you can't lose sight of the importance of friends and family and you know you can't you, you got to be able to kind of find balance in your life and recognize what the priorities are and and you don't have the luxury of of spreading yourself too thin you got to figure out what's the most important things and and keep executing keep executing and when you have a roadblock you got to figure out how to go over it around it you know whatever it might be yeah you know i um I'm glad you brought that up because people are often surprised. They look at busy people and say, um, oh, well, you know, how do you do it all? But, and I think we might've talked about this on the podcast with you, Barke, it was that like, but when you actually, sounds funny, but when you slow down to get very intentional and very prioritized and a strong understanding and an audit of your day and where are you putting energy in towards what, you can actually do a lot more <laughs> than, than an intent in, intended to, um, especially if you're in alignment with other people who are also contributing to the cause and, and then, you know, anything can truly happen. So, um, I'm going to pause for a second. I think he, <laughs> there you go. Good news. I'll just, uh, splice those two parts together. <laughs> yeah. So. Ap apologies. I'm literally sitting in a parking lot. Um, and my, my car just shut off. So sorry about that. No, no, no. It's okay. Uh, I'm actually going to just mark here at 1825. And we'll go back into about 19 and change. Okay. Um, question for you real quick. Um, oh, uh, I heard some beeps on your side. So I don't know if that's on your yeah. Skype or whatnot. Yeah. I just want to give yeah, you Yeah, I apologize. So, I mean, one of the things since we announced this Rhode Island deal, literally my phone does not stop ringing. And uh, so those are, and I, and I put it on silence, but it's still, I think now that I'm off, the car off the car bluetooth i don't think you, you'll hear the calls come in got anymore. you well you're sounding great though by the way you're coming in great even more so now so um cool well i'm gonna make a little note that we're gonna go back in um one of the things i wanted to ask you about um before we go a little bit further down and talking about you know foundation well especially since we're gonna be talking about foundation and obstacles and all that stuff let's talk about opportunity zones what are they why are they you know this really great new thing uh, where are they heading now 
I get it. You can go as high level as you want. Um, and for anybody, you know, if you want to do a balance between high level and tell it to a fourth grader, go for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so- you got it. No, I'm, I'm keen to jump into Ozone. So I'm, as I, yeah, so let's, whenever you're ready. Yeah, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to, you know, let's talk about Opportunity Zones. Um, let's just go right in. Um, you know, it's, they're emerging. They've been being talked about here for a little while. Um, I, you're seeing it come up even more in pop culture. And as I mentioned before we got into the show, you know, I've, I, I was fortunate to learn about a, a cannabis company that did it outside of like Las Vegas and, and, um, and there's benefits in investing into these pieces of land. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to turn the mic over to you to talk about opportunity zones. What are they benefits? Uh, go for it. Yeah. Outstanding. Thanks. Um, you know, the way I describe the program, at least personally is I'm, I become positively obsessed with the program and, uh, was introduced to it. Um, almost immediately after it effectively passed um, in the tax bill. And, and to give some perspective on it is it was really one of the only or maybe the few parts of the tax bill that had bipartisan support, that both sides of the aisle uh, was behind the program. And in, in its essence is that there are literally trillions and trillions of dollars of appreciated assets that private investors have that are sitting fallow on the sidelines. And the genesis of it is how to motivate those investors that are in the high class situation of effectively sitting on capital gains. How do you motivate them to exit those investments and reinvest them in areas that might not get those private dollars, if not for incentives? And so I I give the founders of the program a lot of credit for coming up with a lot of incentives to do such that, just, just that. So you get a deferral on the payment of capital gains until the end of 2026. You get, if you invest in the next, what is it, 10 days, you get a 15% step up in basis, um, which effectively means that when you do own capital gains, you'll pay it on 85% um, and at, at that 2026 date. But most importantly, after a 10-year hold, when you exit that, you don't pay capital gains on the appreciation of that investment. And so that that obviously has a lot of appeal uh, if done right. And so from Bear Kay and I, again, were very quick when we saw the regulations to recognize the game-changing element that it has for our Phoenix Rising franchise, that our aspirations are, regardless of MLS, I mean, currently our USL demand, the league that we currently play in, we could easily fill twice the stadium that we have right now. So we've known for a while we need to build a bigger stadium. Um, and, you know, increasingly there's less and less appetite. And I understand that from the public to subsidize stadiums. So we've always kind of known that we would have to do it through some type of tax increment financing and private investment and an opportunity fund in an opportunity zone to build a stadium and then the related real estate around it. And then most importantly, to hold an asset like a professional sports team through that construct, uh, sports in general or long-term holds. I mean, you, you see you know, owners in all these professional sports leagues. It's very rare where someone buys it for a couple of years and then sells it. It's, it's almost always or some close to generational or at least decade or more. So, again, we kind of recognize, hey, we're sitting in a good position with this team. This is a great program. And then ultimately, through the relationship that we have with the USL, with this league, we started to recognize this is a fantastic vehicle for other owners that are playing 
in less than optimal stadium situations, including some that have been in baseball parks, et cetera. And then also we started to recognize there are a lot of markets that would be great to add professional soccer to. And so, you know, we're starting to see the USL. We had just announced a sizable professional franchise and development in Rhode Island to an incredible response. And then there's a long list of additional markets that are looking to come into USL, Baltimore, Buffalo, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, and the list goes on and on. But without exception, I think you'll see almost every single one of them where you use opportunity zone locations with sizable private investment to develop an incredible economic impact, thousands and thousands of jobs. And then also, you know, get uh, the full social impact that the the founders were looking for. So we we love where we sit in this. It's been really well received. You know, this is not, you know, we're not developing areas that, you know, in, in some respects would have been developed elsewhere. They need this type of program to attract capital to it. Yeah. So I, I hope I didn't suck the oxygen out of the, out of the call relative to no. all that detail. But again, we, we love the merging of professional sports with real estate development, with further business investments, all in fantastic cities, in areas of those cities that, again, you know, not the developers aren't usually looking at those areas, you know, if not for some form of incentive or support. No, I think it's incredible. First of all, uh, we're interviewing you, <laughs> so you can talk as much as you want. But you know what I like it. You know, for anybody listening, you know, in, in, the, the summary of an opportunity zone. You know, let's just say investing in you know lower income areas that need some some reinvestment of you know quote unquote you know coming from the the, the private investment side, so we can enhance these areas but what i love about what you're doing from a sports perspective from a professional sports perspective is what you said way back at the beginning think about all the areas professional sports touches from you know the marketing and the job side to um to economic all the way to community and the fact that you get to invest into the community right from the start and bring people in from a both a sporting and an employment side of things and bring more awareness to an area that you know can start to build up and out of any, you know, maybe economic issues, if you will. I mean, it, it's just, it has a win, win, win all the way around, you know, when, when executed appropriately. And so I, I think it's just, it's a phenomenal thing to do. And I like into your, you know, earlier points of it's just being a professional sport. Think about all those things that it, it, it can do for the community that might not have otherwise been done. And it benefits everybody from the bottom all the way up to the top. Right. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. And so we've been working in earnest, you know, uh, on multiple fronts and including especially, you know, our, our, the Phoenix area. And then, you know, the, as we, as I mentioned, we announced we're going to launch a professional franchise in 2022, professional soccer franchise in Rhode Island. Um, and Rhode Island's a fantastic state for soccer and it's underrepresented. And, um, you know, they're consistently in, in, in terms of media, the state is consistently in the top 10. And by that, it means that when there's an EPL, English Premier League team uh, game on television, or a World Cup, the Rhode Island market is consistently in the top 10. And so that you know, basically highlighted you know, that it was a fantastic region. It didn't have a professional team um, of their own. And USL is the perfect league to deliver that. And, and where we're going to put a stadium is in a city called Pawtucket, which is just outside of Providence. And you know, they recently lost uh, the Pawtucket Red Sox, the minor league team. Um, they're going to go and move to, to Massachusetts. And, you know, anyway, for a lot of reasons, this this team should be embraced. And, 
you know, again, I've been very fortunate to see a great playbook relative to Phoenix Rising. Um, but the market in Phoenix is about as competitive a sporting landscape as you've ever seen. You know, you've got an embarrassment of riches in terms of how many different teams you can root for in that market. <laughs> and, uh, you know, on, on, on a relative base in Rhode Island, it's got a great history in the sport of soccer. Your current choices right now are to, to drive up to, to Foxborough to watch the New England Revolution, which is, you know, obviously MLS and a fantastic product, et cetera. But I think ultimately over time, a state like Rhode Island is going to resonate with having their own team and playing in their own backyard. And so obviously that's one of many things we're trying to capture above and beyond transforming an area like Pawtucket and finding a lot of drivers for people to eat there, live there, work there, sleep there, et cetera. What's happening with soccer culture in America? It seems to be growing, but I want to hear from you guys since you're in it. Like what's, what's going on as a, as a, a culture, as a sport in the U S both of you, by the way, can take this, but Brett, yeah, I'll, I'll let Bear K tap. Oh, you want to, yeah, yeah. I, I know he'll <laughs> go on a tear. <laughs> when it's soccer, I like to all of a sudden talk. Um, I'm sure you've seen all the rising stickers around, right? It's, oh yeah. yeah. It's, I see them just, everywhere now. Uh, I mean, I feel like, um, we have probably the biggest market presence in all of the profession. I, I see our brand more than any other brand out there. And I think that just talks to the, the culture of the sport. I think it's um, it, they are community assets in the world. That's the best way I can. You, yes. you go to Germany, you know, you go to Turkey, wherever it is that you go, you don't even own these teams. You're just there taking care of it for the, for the community to the next generation. You can't physically own them. They're basically run by the communities, okay, wow. by the community boards. Even though, that. yeah, even though they are massive organizations, I mean, they could go ahead and pay 80 million euro transfer fee to a player, but yet there is no owner of it. The community owns it and the board, you know, has that responsibility. So just think about that for a second. And I think why you can see that it's, uh, it's less corporate. So just start thinking about millennials all of a sudden and, right. you know, why they may have an interest into something like soccer than maybe other alternative sports in the U.S. Um, certainly, it is one of the fastest growing uh, sports in the United States in the sheer numbers. And just looking from all the way from youth to professional, um, it, it's been phenomenal what happened with the World Cup that was here. And the World Cup is coming back here again in you know, in seven years that uh, what has happened in, in, in U.S. soccer. It's, it's been an incredible growth, and I see no signs of it uh, of, uh, of slowing down, and um, we're in a good position. And, and that community aspect is spilling over into here. And you're right, I think you bring up from a millennial standpoint as well, too. It's just that there's um, that camaraderie meets culture meets creativity meets – support for players and player supporting players meets you know it, it just has a different feel and infrastructure from its history than other sports yeah and, and look here's again it may sound a little bit simplistic but that's okay. US, US, <laughs> u.s dominates pretty much all of the sports around the world right i mean any, any just pick any sports and you know u.s athletes are pretty good at uh, what they do and now that we have recognizable faces in top-level soccer, like Christian Pulisic playing in Chelsea. I mean, those are exactly the type of things that would continue to further get maybe the fans that are on the sidelines to see that, you know, there is really growth on the world level on our athletes mm -hmm. in, in the sport. And you watch, you mark my words, when the World Cup comes here, um, 
you know, U.S. will be in a position that uh, will be a dominant force in the sport around the world. I mean, I believe in the all countries. If you look at the lineup, I believe U.S. is number twenty-three in the in the world right now. So it's in the top, you know, ten percent or ninety percentile, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I, I I think we we're gonna move more up and up in next uh, six seven years and be a certainly be a top ten country uh, in the world uh, and will be a player in the in the grand scheme of things. I I will watch. It, I'll actually stand next to you in seven years when we're overlooking at like a match at the World Cup. You got it. And I'm gonna look next to you both of you and you're gonna just give me that smile like I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I think to add to Bearcase comments. Uh, I, I've enjoyed introducing countless people to the sport through Phoenix Rising. And they come to our stadium, and in particular, they see our supporters, the Banditos, they see the Red Fury, and they get caught up in that energy and excitement, and they want to be a part of it. And, it, you know, it's a great, uh, for this increasingly ADD world that we live in, it's a running clock. You don't want to take your eyes off the field. You can almost set a train schedule to a game, you know, relative to the start and stop. And I, I think that has a lot of appeal to people um, and one of many reasons why, it's, why it continues to kind of go up and to the right. But I've, I've yet to have anyone come to one of our games and not come away and effectively become obviously a fan of the rising, but by extension, be a convert to the sport. Yeah, I, I told Burke that, uh, please excuse that I have not yet, but I said that, you know, I will this t- coming 2020. He's shaking his head. I said I would you did. in 2020. So. And, 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 you know, we still have a couple more months. But, so uh, you, you, tell me, you tell me when and I'll go. How about March 6th, I believe? Uh, 7th, be, uh, 7th. 7th. Thank you. Bro. March 7th? March 7th. Uh, against the Timbers, Portland Timbers. All right. Uh, Done. I'll put it on the calendar. Brett then. is giving you breaking news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I figured there was oh, something yeah, going on with that date, I, I, but I'll let you tell it then and or even before, maybe on this podcast if you want that. We, we, we might have to redact that from this podcast. No, no it'll okay. be fine. <laughs> Once again, I'm getting into trouble. He was, he was, uh, Burkett was just talking about March Madness. Yes, that's what he was saying. <laughs> No, but you tell me when, and I'll, and I'll be yeah. there ASAP. Should, but, uh, be, should be March 7th. Perfect. Here All right. In Arizona, you, so. you guys got it. Now, um, you know, so you've got the, the, you've got the team, and you've got the team supporting this team. You've got the right partners. You've clearly been building a foundation um, and expanding on that foundation. Obstacles come in the way. They happen. They just, they, they happen. And, and given your vast experience, you've probably seen everything, Brett. <laughs> in the corporate world to, to you know, cause, because it's, it's, it's just a part of growth. Um, and I, I want to stress to people who are listening that they're fine. Obstacles are fine. They're nothing to be scared of, especially when you've got good people around you or you're forming good people around you. But I would love for you to talk about, you know, overcoming obstacles and not being as scared about when they happen, but understanding that, no, I always say that the word failure, I, I really can't stand that word failure. I don't believe in it because I say everything's a signal. It's either yes or no. This worked, this didn't work. Now I know what to do next. You know, and, and, and I, but I think people just, they get so bent up, bent out of shape for obstacles. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They're just signals. That's it. You know, but I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, you got you got to be find motivation in those obstacles, and um, it's got to kind of help to take take your game to the next level, if you will. Um, and and so commitment is critical. You can't go into as I kind of always describe it. You know, especially with professional sports, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, everyone thinks like I, I love it when we're watching. You know, when I'm in the stands at a game, seeing our fans. You know, seeing our players, our coaches, like that. That makes it all worthwhile. 
but you know, all the time in between that is, is nothing but hard work and dedication and, and, you know, finding ways to stay optimistic, regardless of what, what gets thrown at you. And a lot will get thrown at you. And again, obviously this is in any context. And so I, I, I think it's critical to try to take, uh, have a very optimistic outlook on things just one way or the other, you're going to figure it out and, you know, get the right people with you and continue to just find out and ask the right questions and continue to figure out if you have to pivot on one part, part of it or something, a door is truly closed then you know, what other doors are you going to look to open? True. Staying, staying indomitable is critical. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Commitment is critical. It really is. It's, um, and, and I feel like you've got to know why you're doing what you're doing because that will lead to your consistency and your commitment because otherwise i mean you can quit any day but like i feel you know and i was just having this conversation that you know i was sitting last night it was about 8 30 9 o'clock at night and i was still trying to get some stuff done i'm looking out the window and i'm like i really love all the different things that i'm doing and i was just looking around and when you look around you look at the world you've kind of been creating and you know and i still i always feel around myself i'm still a baby in the game even even at 40 i'm just like i'm, I'm in a, i want to always pretend and feel like i'm a baby in the game and it's interesting that you'll do things after hours. You'll do things at, at, at random times when there's, there's, there's commitment and there's a why built into it that it almost becomes like automation. Um, it sounds like that for you. And, you know, and you came also from this vast experience. You're right. It's not for the faint of heart. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. But you came from one world of, of really great experience and you, you kind of know the ins and outs of what do I need to do? Who am I? And what do I need to expand on for myself? And how do others rely on me in this world? And I feel like if by doing that, success is kind of inevitable. I mean, it's just a, it's just a matter of time and patience, basically. Uh, you both, I, yeah. Berke, if you want to go, go. <laughs> you know, I have a couple, I feel very passionate about this. And at least I can share from my own experience. The way I look at it is, I say this all the time, we're all going to die and it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And so I, I try really hard to not let the fear get in the way of taking a shot at something, ever. That doesn't mean you need to be reckless, but yes. you can absolutely calculate risk and, 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 and you can always pivot. I mean, it, it, once you create an ability to take the bad news uh, with yeah. some kind of maturity and pivot and analyze and problem solve, I think that's in the spirit of entrepreneurship. I mean, show me one person that started and got to the perfectionism with no mistakes ever in their life. I don't think that exists. So don't worry about it. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's Brett, <laughs> Brett what, what do you, what do you got to say about that? No, I, I find inspiration in a lot of other entrepreneurs out there, yeah. you know, who, who deal, deal with, dealt with exceptional uh, adversity. And so I, I constantly find myself reading, I, you know, the, the Nike biographies, yeah, a good one. Um, you know, Elon Musk and some some of the moments. He, anyway, the list goes on and on and on. And so, you know, it, as they kind of say, if you think you have problems, you know, you can, you know, if you knew what someone else was facing, you know, you gladly just embrace yours. So, um, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I think I think accountability is critical. You know, at the end of the day, what I love about being an entrepreneur is, you know, uh, succeed or fail, it's largely within you know what I would describe as my control and the control, of, you know, my partners. And uh, and I, I like that. I like that optionality. What I, what I kind of recognize is that I've bet on a lot of other people and lost. And um, I, I can bet on myself and lose, and I can figure out how to take accountability for it. 
but you know, I just got to a point where I'd rather put my money behind myself and my endeavors and the teams that, you know, I'm fortunate to be a part of. And I, again, I can handle that much better than I can handle someone kind of saying like, Oh, I, I found something else I'm doing or, you know, it didn't work out or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Hey man. I think you just spoke to my soul. <laughs> Brigade can see me just We're like, melting here. I'm just, all right, yeah. that was my goal. Yeah, that was yeah, it, Matt. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, what I can't control is myself and the people around me. Yeah. And, and bet it, you know, it, it's funny when you bet on other people only and you're not a part of that, that's hard. And it, and so, you know, that, that took some time to realize like, no, 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 I got to always be betting on myself and always be creating so in a way where pe- the people around me are are doing the same and and embodying the the you know that forward you know inspirational movement if you will um so uh, so I love that as well too and you know it's something you brought up and Burke brought up when he was talking about obviously you know don't be reckless we we but embrace the fear and move anyways um so when you're going to build something with sustainability you're going to build something with impact you know, obviously we think about these things up front. <laughs> we don't we don't completely shoot from the hip because there's this delicate balance. I always tell people like you don't know all the answers until you get into the market or until you until you move. That that you couldn't possibly know the answers without actually like you don't even know anything about your customers until you start asking them questions. So how do you balance the let's be strategic and think through all the things that we need to up front before going into an endeavor? And the rest we'll figure out along the way. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, what, what I know, you know, almost any entrepreneur, they'll all express that if they, if they were aware of how difficult it would be on any of their respective endeavors, you know, they probably wouldn't have done it. So you kind of need, you know, that ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Uh, um, but <laughs> and again, you just need to continue to put, as I describe it, your right foot after your left keep repeating it over and over again well, and uh you wake up and and ideally good more good things have happened than not so you know what i would add to that is i mean look at our group too at, at phoenix rising well i think once you surround yourself with people with different experiences yes. and skill sets and look at the world from the standpoint of I think there's yes and no people in the world. Like, it's almost like I can identify anybody. Yeah. Like, are you more inclined to glass half full and how are you going to get to the prize? Or are you more there to kind of state how difficult it is and how it's not going to happen? So just surround yourself with more positive and yes type of folks that are problem solvers with experience, not just yeah. talk. And and go and execute, right? You know, I, I learned – I absolutely, I learned from my first startup uh, from engineers. Um, well, I – I didn't have an engineering background. I was a business person, so, but I had to learn from engineers. And one of the things that they'd always, when people would say to them is, you know, can this be done? They'd be like, it can be done. You know, because engineers are like, computer engineers and software programmers are like, yeah, it can be done. And I, I think it was one of the greatest habits I learned at very early age. Like, yeah, no, it can be done. We we just got to, you know, figure it out. And, and, and then we do, right? So uh, I like that you said that. Also, by the way, I meant to tell you, Brett, I like the, uh, well, actually, uh, yeah, but I think I think it was you know you when you mentioned about we look at all of our problems. Everybody's got problems, and that you know how quickly we would take back our own. Uh, I just I had to give you a pay homage to that. I, I was having a conversation with. I come from a very entrepreneurial family. Uh, my father passed recently, but my mother and I were talking about him and talking about things. And 
And she said, you know, you look at your problems. She's like, there's a saying, you put all of your problems on the table and everybody else puts their problems on the table, how quickly you'll take back your very same problems. <laughs> and so you, yeah. remind, you remind me of that. It's just that like, we all don't realize what everybody else is going through and it's how we face them and the character that we have for facing them that really sets the tone for our life. You know, um, I think you clearly um, have set a tone of, you know, we just handle things. We just move. We handle things, and we have a, a team around us. What do you What do you guys have coming up? Like, what's what are what are you allowed to say that's next? What's coming up, and uh, you know, what can we be looking forward to? Okay, you want to? Yeah, you know, we can talk about this. You may find this really interesting. That uh, uh, through the Opportunity Zone um, program, mm -hmm. one of the other things that we're doing, which uh, it will launch next month is our partnership with uh, Coplex. I don't know if you know about the Coplex I'm guys. I'm familiar with Coplex and yeah. Zach. Zach was Zach. on the podcast. Okay, so yeah. Zach is a good friend. Yeah. And we'll be launching a fund with for tutors and Com Coplex that will be co-branded uh, fund. And uh, what makes it really interesting is, uh, you remember you mentioned the win-win-win, how the yep. Opportunity Zone program. So consider this. You have an entrepreneur um, and you have an accelerator that you, you're working with uh, uh, or venture builder um, with uh, Zach's company at Coplex that has an incredible uh, business model. And then you put the merits of an Opportunity Zone program to that business and you um, get an idea early on and, and you basically put these uh, new startups in, in Opportunity Zones. Mm -hmm. what, think about what yeah. you're doing. What you're really doing is you're lowering you're increasing the returns for an investor, everything being equal, but that really means also lowering cost of capital for the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So that's the description of win-win-win in that situation, right? Us as asset managers, we can um, run a firm and we can provide uh, return profiles that are basically tax efficient. Mm -hmm. But yet, um, if you're working with the entrepreneurs, they are going to be waking up to the whole situation and say that, well, because your investors are everything else being equal, going to have higher returns because of the tax efficiency. And I have to go through some uh, hoops or as a being an options on compliant company, how about I set my series A pre-manual evaluation, I'm making up at uh, 15 million instead of 10 million, right? Mm -hmm. So the dilution gets less and everybody wins in that scenario. So I'm really excited about being able to invest in venture uh, or early stage companies and ideas um, around the country, but starting here in Phoenix, and I and I meet with entrepreneurs all the time. I mean, there's no shortage of uh, ideas and smart people that are passionate in this community. So I'm very much looking forward to being able to get into that and uh, and create a scenario where hopefully ourselves, our investors, and entrepreneurs all win at the same time. That's so the, that's an exciting and that's new and it's coming very soon. No, I I, uh, I absolutely love that. Um, it's funny. There was a, a fund um, out of uh, I think it was the University of Indiana. It was a, year, a few years ago. I was reading about this, and then one that Pharrell Williams is a part of out of Chicago. And I'd always kind of envisioned uh, my vision would be to have these um, this atmosphere of all of these different players who actually contribute to the success of a startup, the growth marketers, the content, the video, the, the ads, like all of, when you put them all together in a one location, those minds, those strategic data-driven, results-driven, content-driven minds, forget it. Like you're, you, the, the, the results of a startup are actually inevitable. So, I mean, I love startup culture. I was in it for so long. I just, that I 
I then, once I went to the other side of growth marketing side, it was like, all right, no, let's get these sales funnels and, and ads and all that, that other side of things. Like, how do we get the numbers, 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 real numbers? It was, it was amazing that when you start pairing that together with startups, how you'd be like, oh, wow, you can calculated strategically grow startups and their customer base. So anyways, I, I, there's a tangent, but I, I think it's cool when you bring all those minds together in a, in a place, especially in opportunity zones. Now everybody wins. That's great. You know? Yeah. And, so, I, and you know, look, I've been talking about creating opportunities and creating jobs. And this is a perfect example of why opportunity zones are great because it's going to improve. Yes. It's going to attract capital to ideas that maybe they were on that borderline that yes. wouldn't have otherwise funded. And trust me, it's a numbers game. Some of them are going to work and go, at some point in time going to employ hundreds of employees. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brett, what, it, what are you excited about that's coming up? Yeah, I mean, now uh, with the Rhode Island announcement, you know, it's interesting because we, we spent close to a year in a very competitive RFP process, um, spent a lot of time and money. I've lost track how many trips I've taken back there. And and, and now that we've won it now, ironically, like the, the work actually starts. It actually begins. Um, so that's going to require a great deal of time and attention just to make sure that we get the trains running on time there. And, you know, it's a, it's a complex, exciting project with real estate at a professional sports team and 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 um you know the oz program so it's it's something that i'm confident that we'll be able to start to use as a platform to start to look at other markets including especially you know our our, our phoenix rising you know opportunities but uh you know beyond that i i can't wait until we launch this program in partnership with coplex you know beyond impressed with zach and you know, Tim Crown and everyone else who's associated with it. Um, and I, I think it's just a great time to be an entrepreneur in this country. And, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be, you know, in, a, in an environment where, from my perspective, every single day kind of gets more interesting and exciting and have an opportunity to make a real difference. You know, at the end of the day, we all work too hard. It's going to have to have a bigger purpose. You know, this is this is obviously you, you need to have what I would say is a return, return for yourself, return for your investors. But above and beyond that, it's nice to see that it can have a social and economic impact or well beyond that. And so that's what I'm excited about. Amen. I, you know, uh, I've been, I, I feel you on the, uh, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. Um, it's also, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of inputs <laughs> from all, from all places that can be very distracting, but it's never been a greater time to be an entrepreneur. I'd love if you could give, you know, kind of your, your quick thoughts on anybody listening, like, the advantages that we have now and the things that we're, that we're experiencing now um, that make entrepreneurship so great at, at this time frame. I'd, I'd love to get your take on that. Well, I mean, I, at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur is the market lets you know if you're, you're, if you're focusing in the right areas, you know, ultimately, unless, unless you just have more money than God and you can subsidize something. But at some point, you know, the market tells you if you're right. And, you know, I, I feel like the market's telling us that we're right. And, and that's exciting. And then again, now now we have a responsibility to take and build this platform and and to to have true scale where it can make a difference in these communities. And that's again where I get beyond excited. Like I look at I had the privilege of going to school in Rhode Island for four years. I love this state. I love everyone in the state. Like to, to play even a small role in trying to bring something like we're endeavoring to bring there is uh, is incredibly exciting. And it makes it worth the time and effort, especially the time away from family and and all the other parts associated with it. But um, it's, again, it's, you, you, you know, as an entrepreneur pretty early on, if 
you've got some validity because people either sit there and say, look, I like it and I want to invest. I want to be a part of it. And yes. if not, that's, that's something that's telling you something. And you, then you have to figure out, you know, how to change your formula or, you know, maybe that's the universe telling you to go focus on a different idea. Amen. There you go. So everybody listening, uh, you can just go uh, contact Brett and he'll tell you what to do as an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I'm a softie. I want to back everyone. I right. Back, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I leave it to the brilliant venture capitalists at Coplex to figure out, you know, which one's the better. There you go. I, yeah. Well, it's a lot to talk about offline. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to get into town, especially with your vast background in, uh, in digital media and, and just in digital in general. So you get this world of, of what's going on. I'm just, uh, you know, uh, a fan of, of the time we live in from an entrepreneurial standpoint. There's never been greater distribution. Um, I, I have a habit and a, 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 of going on rants, but I won't now. But like, but, you know, in this digital world we live in, uh, you know, we have access to more people in community at mass scale, critical mass scale. And our channels are a wide vast of distribution and to which um, we can communicate partnerships and products and services and, uh, you know, impact and culture and community. I mean, so, you know, critical mass scale is, uh, is the way to go here. Um, but, uh, but intentional and, uh, where, where can, um, where can people find out about, you know, more about you, what's going on, um, you know, your guys' initiatives, whatever, whatever websites or social media you want to give out to the, to the crowd just to kind of, you know, become more familiar or, you know, if they want to reach out or we've got a wide range of audience and age demographics as well, too. And in a you know, variety of CEOs as well, but they, they might want to reach out. What, what are some great ways to find you guys, Brett? Yeah. You know, for me, um, LinkedIn is usually, I, I just don't have the time and yep. bandwidth to kind of keep up on all the social media channels. So LinkedIn, I usually, you know, it's a pretty good medium for me. And then, you know, obviously we've got our fortuitous partner website, right. but, um, yeah, that's a, no, that's not that's not a problem. And and I also and I urge anybody listening, which our our following is always very respectful. Be respectful to these people, <laughs> just the same because they're out there doing their best they can in a in a very um you know busy manner. So, uh, Ember K, any you know? Yeah, so definitely LinkedIn, but also I'm fairly active on Instagram and Twitter. And, I've noticed. Yeah, so that's <laughs> a, any any of those channels will uh, will uh, work well for me and. I'm not as good as you are on uh, uh, direct messaging like uh, everyone, but uh, I try to get better every day. So You, you know, it's just like, uh, um, uh, what did Brett say? Commitment is critical. Yes. Uh, it's uh, It was just part of the process that I, I ingrained into a, a habit that uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking when I started it, but but I, I did another, very Gary V, you know, I mean, sure. you know, and, uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I you know, we do the best that we can with, with what we've got and how busy we are. Um, Brad, this is incredible. You know, I, I told Berke the same thing and he already took it uh, literal and he's welcome on again as well, too, because you guys, it's a journey driven podcast. So you're welcome back on as many times as you would like, um, because three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, um, there's always going to be more going on. Uh, apparently, you guys got some really cool things coming up in the spring. That I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, look, we, March seventh, we'll be we'll be next to each other at a game. I look forward to it. But yeah. we'll certainly meet before then. I'll be in town. I you know I come to Phoenix often with absolute pleasure. And then I've got a I got a long list of entrepreneurs that I'm excited to refer to this show. You know, great great job, man. You're doing some phenomenal work. Um, and you. I'm you know this is I I think an invaluable resource to anyone who's listening and either an entrepreneur or, or considering kind of 
taking the leap. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate the compliments. And yeah, and you're welcome to come back on with as a complimentary guest to one of your people as well, just to say <laughs> if you'd like. But also anytime you guys want to come on and talk about another really great thing going on in, in, in your world, please know that you're you're more than welcome. And uh, just truly appreciate and respect your time because uh, I know you guys are extremely busy. So so thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And Burke? Thank you. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Thank you uh, guys, so be sure, you know, Fortuitous Partners, you can you can look them up online. Uh, Brett Johnson, you can look up on, on LinkedIn. Be respectful of his time. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there at a time. I mean, you know, the man is very approachable, but also very busy. Uh, Burke Bakai, uh, you can look him up on Instagram. He's he's getting he's actually getting pretty active. I'm I'm noticing him. You know, he's he's commenting, he's liking. You know, he's he's in the uh, it, it, looking at the stories and stuff like that. I uh, didn't know I look at all those stories of uh, all the people coming in there. Um, but uh, both gentlemen doing amazing things. Fortuitous Partners, Phoenix Rising Football Club. Please, for sure, go support. Phoenix Rising Football Club, not just if you're in Arizona uh, looking at this amazing, you know, minor league soccer team that's going to, you know, get to the pros here, but also as a brand, as a community of what they're doing, uh, this is, they're, they're growing an entire culture, which I stress with people on their brands all the time. And how do you get to the heart of its, if its core of its customers is, is how, you know, the brand represents itself and integrates itself with the, the people. So, you know, pay attention to that, not just if you're in Arizona, but just because you're like, this is a really cool brand. Just go do it. <laughs> so I'm going to just tell you just to go do it. Um, and as always, I appreciate everybody listening. Um, you guys, the show, you know, we're nearing 4 million downloads. It's been incredible. Um, it's it's really just the beginning. Um, and uh, 2020 is looking really special, especially with guests like with Brett and and uh, with Burkay. Uh, so be on the lookout for more coming soon. Appreciate everybody's time. Thank you, as always, for myself, Matt Gosman, for Bakay Bakai, and for our amazing guest, Brett Johnson. For Hustled Separately, we are out. Thank you. Thank you.